your kind of mind, in your heart, and just ponder it. Maybe it made sense, maybe it didn't. The purpose isn't to kind of analyze it or to necessarily for it to make sense, but just keep pondering on it. Maybe across this week, God will just put something on your heart about that, and um, we'll speak to you through it. Fabulous. Freddie, could you bring some chairs up for me? Um, well, we're really excited to have um, Glynis with us. Glynis, is, we've already said, has been um, one of our... Um, partners uh, in, in mission. Um, she's uh, worked for OMF since 1985 in a number of different countries um, with a particular uh, focus on Chinese communities and churches. So shall we um, give a round of applause to welcome Glynis to join us? Can I grab your microphone? Glynis, it's so good to have you with us. We had the privilege, Katie and I, of having um, you and um, Elizabeth round last night for dinner. Yeah, it was great. First time to meet each other and uh, lots of stories to tell. Yeah, lots. And uh, I hope we'll be able to capture some of them uh, this morning. Um, I'm kind of aware that uh, some people will um, obviously know you really well. Some people um, might not know you at all. And so I wonder if you could just kick us off by just, yeah, just telling us a little bit about your journey and um, what you've been up to. And, and you're now actually, I, I, I've kind of neglected to say this, but you're retiring. Um, I will be, yeah. So there's, there's a lot to say. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, kick us off and I'll, I might interject. <laughs> okay. <but laughs> yes, very briefly. No, it's really great to be back again in Bristol. I always love returning to this great city. And um, quite apart from the very happy memories of my time here between 1970 and 1980. It was where my spiritual pilgrimage began. I was actually converted during my first year as a medical student here. And um, it's um, interesting to reflect on, on how that happened. And I do want to share with you, some of you who know me quite well may not know this part of my background, but um, I grew up in a family, I always say we had Christian wallpaper. It was always there in the background and uh, I used to go to midnight mass on Christmas Eve, um, but I had no interest in God or church or the Bible, I thought it was for older people. And it wasn't until I came to university as an 18-year-old, that I first encountered Christians who talked about Jesus as if he was a real person. And the first one to do that was in the corridor down from me at Clifton Hill House, where I spent my first year. And we became friends. And we were classmates. And then she'd talk about Jesus as if he was her friend, as if she really knew him. And I thought, that is weird. <laughs> and as I say, I wasn't interested in God or religion or anything like that. But obviously at 18, you're asking questions and you're thinking about life in general. And over the course of the next several months, God was stirring in my heart and working to prepare me to encounter him. But the most interesting thing about this relationship was that this student that I became very close friends with and who shared her faith was Chinese. 
And she came from Sheffield. She had come to England as a three-year-old with her parents to open a Chinese restaurant in Sheffield. And so she spoke with a broad Yorkshire accent. And I always say, you know, the person who led me to Christ was not only Chinese, but she spoke just like Hudson Taylor, <laughs> who came from Barnsley. <laughs> so that was my spiritual beginning. And through her and through other Chinese friends and other student friends, I began to learn about other parts of the world. And I realized right from the beginning that God was not the God of English people and that God was not just for those who uh, had churches down the street, but of all nations and all backgrounds. So that was a very important beginning to my spiritual life. So um, from then on, I very proactively pursued the possibility of working overseas as a doctor or in whatever capacity the Lord had for me. And um, in my final year, I had the opportunity to go short-term to Thailand to a mission hospital they had there, which just served to reinforce that sense of um, direction for my life. And God, in his mercy, just step by step led me and opened doors, allowed me to receive great counsel and great prayer. And a particular person that was here in Redland Church who passed away long ago, who some of you will remember, he was like a spiritual grandfather to me. He was a very um, fervent intercessor, wonderful grandfather in Christ, Stephen Notley. Do some of you remember him? Yeah, I see a few heads nodding. So, you know, that an older man who invested in me as someone he could see, um, you know, God was going to lead in a particular direction. And especially when I made the decision to move away from a medical career into a full-time ministry career, he said, I think this is right. Most people were saying, you're crazy, or that's a very odd decision, or you know, why are you doing that? So that was a very important um, person in Redland Church at that time in the 70s. Maybe I'll stop for breath here and you can... Uh... No, that's really good. I mean, there's, there's so much <laughs> that I think like, really struck me because, um, you know, there's a couple of things. Like, you became a Christian simply because your friend talked about Jesus to you in a way that he was real. I mean, that yes. on one level just seems like such a simple thing, but actually was incredibly profound. Indeed. Yes, and it's right. led to where you are. And, and, and I think the second thing was um, uh, that, that person you were just talking about, was it Stephen you said? Um, Stephen, Stephen, Not yeah. Stephen Notley. Stephen Notley. Yeah. Like, just someone who came alongside you and encouraged you. And I think it just strikes me, like, and I, I've seen this in my own life, that other people are so significant in our journeys. Mm. And I think the thing that we forget about that is we can be that other person to someone else. Right. Um, and it doesn't need to look like this big thing, but part of the reason you're here and you've had your journey is because others have stood with you kind of on that, on that road. Right. And actually, this is a good moment to just say a huge thank you to those of you who have been journeying with me since the 70s and the 80s, and also to others of you who don't perhaps know me, haven't met me, and, but have prayed, have read my uh, newsletters, or who have taken an interest in uh, praying for uh, those in other situations. So 
Thank you very much. And we really have been a partnership. It's, uh, it's certainly not something that we can do on our own. We have a team here in the home country. We have teams in the in this country as God leads us to. And, and both are important. I often say that mission is like a bicycle. You have the back wheel and you have the front wheel. And you need both. Or you can think of it as chopsticks, where one chopstick stays still and one chopstick moves. But without either, you can't eat anything. So that's also another image that helps to um, explain the relationship between us all as part of God's family in different parts of his world. And so um, you kind of were exploring, going abroad, mm-hmm. um, and you did indeed do, do so, didn't you? I can't remember where you first went. You did tell me last night, was it Singapore? I can't remember, it was a- a- Asia or something. Singapore was the second place I went. Second. Um, when I first joined OMF, um, I'd had five years as um, youth director with Crosslinks leading up to that time, and I'm always passionate about youth work. And um, I was also had this interest in, in China and, and Chinese people and the Chinese language and Chinese food and Chinese culture. And when I approached OMF in the early 80s, China was not really a place that um, there were open doors for people like me, especially who like to talk a lot and aren't very careful about what they say sometimes about, you know, with strangers, you just talk, talk to people. And China's not the sort of place you can do that. But they also had a team in Taiwan which um, is very open to uh, missionary visas. And in those days, in the mid-'80s, there was a very strong emphasis on campus work. OMF had been instrumental in setting up the InterVarsity movement uh, in Taiwan and had, had uh, pushed it forward, been the catalyst for Taiwanese brothers and sisters to take the baton. By the time I got there, you know, I was working under a Taiwanese um, student leader and I had the privilege of serving with the um, music students of Taipei University. And Um, we had a musician's Christian fellowship and a choir and orchestra. And part of the the joy of serving with those um, budding musicians was not just um, the discipleship and the uh, opportunity to share Jesus together and grow together, but to make music together. So I used to sing with the choir and because I was the only white person in that choir, I was sort of quite prominent, but I didn't care. I just loved it, and um, so that was a great privilege. And I, so basically, I did youth work and music ministry for about seven years total. I was in Taiwan, but um, God, in His uh, shepherding way, took me forward in a variety of ways. Some of which were very unexpected, and uh, I served at the international headquarters in Singapore. The same place where Dave and Ruth were a bit earlier, 94. And then um, I was um, asked to join, um, or I volunteered to join a team in Hong Kong that was supporting work in in China. And from then on, actually, I was more focused on China. In the mid-90s, China was opening up a lot for Christian professionals to work there, to have um, opportunities to be marketplace. 
witnesses uh, to be there to share with um, business people and uh, in universities and so on. And so we were part of a process of helping folk like you who might have professional backgrounds to um, understand what the opportunities are and then to, to prepare appropriately to go and take, take them up. So that was a sort of pattern of, of life in, in that season that, that I did. And I spent five years uh, doing that kind of thing, partly in Hong Kong, partly in China. And in the course of those five years, I became very aware, this was like 98, 99, that sort of time, that China had many, many more opportunities than we had people to offer. And I would go to the foreign affairs department of different companies or universities, and they'd say, we want this person, this person, this person. I was even asked for a Latin American dance teacher. That was my most odd request. Um, but I was often asked for English teachers, English professors, um, and uh, science teachers, so on and so on. And um, so I began to stir, God stirred in my heart a desire to mobilize, to uh, make aware, make, make home countries aware of what could be done and how it could be done, the sort of people that would do well in China. And um, in the course of time, the US National Director of OMF asked me if I would join their team as a China mobilizer because they didn't have one at that time. And um, to cut a long story short, I fetched up in um, Denver, Colorado in June 2001. And um, my dear friend and um, partner in ministry, Elizabeth, was actually living in California at the time. I won't go into her background because she may have some time to share that later. But um, we became housemates and we were living there for um, 13 years in the end. <laughs> I was on the US home side team. And um, after that, I had the opportunity to go back to Asia for various reasons. And um, the last six years, um, we've both been in Hong Kong, um, focused on China, but based in Hong Kong. So. That's amazing. You've kind of been all over, really. <laughs> I know one word that certainly describes... Um, uh, There's a, a buzzword, but um, I think is a word that I know has some resonance for you and you know, in many of the contexts you found yourself in is the word mission. Um, now, like you said to me last night, it's, it's a funny word because we talk about, you know, like I think you gave the example of a, a mission to go and kill Osama bin Laden. I mean, that's a very different kind of mission. <laughs> it's like, what, what, but what does it mean to you yeah. when we use that word? Yes, that, it, it is a very um, flexible kind of word. And um, the word missionary, for some people, generates various stereotypes or, or roles or types of people. Um, some of which are not at all true or are very out of date. Um, and I think, you know, we all have a mission right from the time we accept Christ. Our mission is to glorify him, is to witness for him, is to serve him, is to love him and grow. And um, what a privilege. <laughs> and I wanted to say in, in light of this momentous historical moment we find ourselves in here in the UK, 
Almost 10 days have passed since the Queen passed away. Tomorrow is the funeral. And over these 10 days, I don't know about you, but as we watch TV, a number of people have been interviewed um, about when they saw the Queen or met the Queen or they worked with the Queen. And what a joy, what a privilege it, it is to actually you know, see her, actually even have a conversation with her or be part of her staff and be part of this process. And, and I thought to myself, wow, how much more for the King of Kings? She is a human being. She only reigned for 70 years. What is that in eternity? She only reigned over 15 countries. You know, what is that compared to the entire world? <laughs> um, she only reigned for three or four generations. Um, and God is God of all generations. So I, it sort of really struck me just the privilege and the joy of um, being part of his kingdom work, being part of his family. And so for me, that's what mission is, is doing what he wants me to do, where he wants me to do it, when he wants me to do it, and seeking to be sensitive to his voice, uh, to take me out of my comfort zone or move me into a role that is um, different or new, and um, not be afraid. I love that song we sang, you know, we're free from fear. We're free to follow someone who is very safe in one way, but also he may take us somewhere very unsafe, but with him we're safe. And it's more important to um, be where he wants us than to be where other people want us. And I had to learn that quite young because when I became a Christian and got baptized uh, by immersion, my parents thought I joined a cult. And they were never very, really understood that you know, um, process that I went through. And they were never that supportive of me um, going overseas, not as a medical missionary. <laughs> um, and um, although my, my father kind of grew into a, a personal faith later, um, it made me realize I have to please my heavenly father and not my earthly one. Um, that was another way I put it. Yeah. And uh, I love that, like what you just said there, that sentence. Um, you know, we've got to be where he wants us and do what he wants us to do. Like, you kind of alluded to this a bit, but how did you know? Like, how did you know what that was for you? How did that sort of play out in your life that you're like, oh, this is where I'm meant to be and what I'm meant to do. Well, actually, in each transition or each uh, change, I, it, was a little, it might have been a little bit different, but sometimes it was an invitation from outside that I, I had to consider seriously that I hadn't thought, out, thought about before. Um, or through scripture, the Lord would prepare my heart and sort of almost make me think something new is coming. Or um, there's this opportunity to think about um, or a door has closed and so you have to move on and actually in some senses that's what happened this transition because although I had planned to retire around this time the situation in Hong Kong is such that the sort of way I was operating there was beginning to fizzle out and things are going to continue going in that direction and so the sort of experience I've had the sort of things I've been doing are, are not going to be um, continuing really in the same way. So that's like a closed door. But um, prayer, waiting on God, 
There was one particular time where I got a very un unexpected invitation and I, I asked the people, the leaders who had asked me, I said, I want to pray about this for seven days, please, before I give any kind of response. And um, I sent out a sort of emergency prayer call to my most sort of fervent long-term prayer partners. And it, this new role I was being offered was way above my pay scale. And I didn't think I could do it, but I was ready to sort of give it a go, <laughs> if you like. And three of my prayer partners sent me the same scripture. Um, You've been faithful in a little bit, and now you're going to be given much more responsibility. And so I thought, that's it. i got to do it. Um, and so I moved on to that role at that time. I think that's really helpful because I think sometimes when we think of hearing what God's saying to us, we're kind of expecting a thus saith the word, Lord, you know, red writing on the wall type moment. <laughs> but like, what you're talking about is actually quite normal. I think it's fair to say. You yes, know, yeah, very normal. You're praying, you're thinking, oh, there's something here, or maybe I should wrestle with this. There's an invitation coming in. Oh, that's exciting me in some way. Let's grapple with it. Mm. Um, that's a very different kind of uh, picture of hearing God from red writing on the wall, thus saith the Lord, which um, certainly in my experience, I know you're saying the goodbye, isn't how he tends to speak. Um, yeah. um, I wonder, we're conscious of time, but I wonder if it would be lovely to um, invite Elizabeth up to join us. Um, you've already said Elizabeth is um, a dear friend of yours and, and has, uh, you've worked together on many occasions. And yes, indeed, you're going yes, right. uh, back to California together, aren't you? We are, yes. Um, my next assignment is 10 miles east of Disneyland. But anyway, Elizabeth actually has a longer history in California than I do. I'm not quite sure what she wants to share, but over to you. Uh, not about California, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, Elizabeth, I'm conscious of, of time, and there's obviously time people can um, chat to you over lunch. One thing I really wanted to pick up, because like, we, we talked about this a bit yesterday, it was something that's really on your heart, was your passion for... Well, it's kind of two things that come together. One is deep discipleship, and what do you mean by that? And the other was also, um, particularly, uh, you have a real heart for, for, for women, in particular, um, in helping disciple them. Do you want to share a bit about, yeah, what does that mean? What does that look like? Well, first of all, thank you for the opportunity. It was just a, a joy last evening to get to know um, Will and Katie a little bit and to uh, be back here in Redland uh, after more than 20 years. I visited briefly. Uh, I, we can't even remember the date, but I know some of you have known my name from uh, Glenis and so on, and, and I'm grateful for the, the prayers that have sort of leaked over and have kept me going. But in response to Will's question, it's, it's wonderful that A, today he um, decided to do a, a short version of Electio Divina, because that's something that I have done in, in my ministry with Chinese women. And it is to make a, an opportunity for them to just be quiet before God, to hear what God may be saying. And uh, you think, well, What's so special about that? Well, um, as with many cultures today, there's an awful lot of noise around you, around us. And China is no exception. And for um, a, a Chinese person to be able to just spend some short time in silence and in an attitude of expectancy before God 
to hear what he has to say. This, this was very new. This was very, very refreshing to many of the Chinese Christian women that I had the privilege of working with. And the other thing that struck me today about your service, again, Glenys has referred to it, the, 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 the song, I'm no longer a slave to fear, I am a child of God. And again, that's something that here in, in this country, you've had the blessing, the immense blessing of a millennium of Christian influence. And although for many of you, you say, and we, we do, many of us wring our hands and we say, oh, you know, it's, it's, it's so faded, it's, it's the afterglow. And yet it, it, it certainly still affects your culture so that you have a sense of freedom, you have a sense of acceptance. Um, that's not necessarily the case in many other cultures. And certainly for Chinese women, they have huge expectations on them. And they, they, they are not free to experience love and acceptance. They feel constantly that they're striving to earn it. And um, so it's been my privilege to see the Holy Spirit working through God's word as we lead women through simple spiritual disciplines and exercises, and just to see God beginning to, to touch them. I remember one woman, she's a pastor in what had been a very big church until right now, it's very difficult for these large congregations to meet. But at the time, she was part of the pastoral team of, of a church that was probably about a thousand people. And we began Electio Divina with one of the Psalms, O oh God, my God, very simple words, O oh God, my God. And I think it goes on to say, early will I seek thee, my soul longs for you in a, in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. But just those three words, God, my God, she just broke down and wept. And it was just such a release. I believe it was a release and a freeing, a cleansing for her. And um, it was just tremendous to, to, again, to see the work of God in, in her life and in the lives of many other Chinese sisters that I've been privileged to know. Elizabeth, thank you. Um, we're slightly running out of time, which is um, a shame because I could listen to you guys all day. You are staying for lunch and you are going to be here at the four later um, so we can kind of take this conversation a bit further then, I hope. Um, just before you end, um, I'm sure there'll be lots of people today who think, oh, great for you guys, you know, jetting off around the world, you know, um, living life on the edge in that way. But, you know, I just live on my street and I'm retired or I'm, you know, just in my job, you know, I turn up every day at nine and I leave at five and, um, you know, I don't feel like I've got that much to offer to God in um, his service. What what would you say to um, anyone who that's something of an articulation of their experience? <laughs> I would say you are a child of God. You are a witness for him. Across, We have a, a motto in OMF, uh, across the street in the workplace, across the world. And um, the world is on our doorstep anyway, quite apart from reaching out to people that are like us and look like us. Um, we have, um, obviously, the more dramatic and acute example is Ukrainians and Hong Kongers flooding in now. But, um, and I know many of you are involved in like international student work and um, hosting uh, people who need 
somewhere to live and so on. This is all great. This is as much part of God's kingdom work as over there. <laughs> so it's um, from all nations to all nations and here, there and everywhere. And so you are as important and as significant in your life um, in terms of your following Jesus, growing in Jesus, serving Jesus as, as anyone else. We're all a child of God. We're all part of his kingdom purposes. So that's how I would answer that question. The thing that has really struck me after more than uh, almost 20 years of not being back in the UK for any length of time, this time I've really been hit by the multicultural, diverse, multi-ethnic, multiracial nature of, of being in this country. And I just thank God that, as I said, you still have very strong Christian roots. And uh, I think it was Angela Merkel that said a few years ago when the refugee crisis was just beginning to explode in Europe and there were an awful lot of uh, Christian uh, Europeans who were very resentful of all of these people flooding in from non-Christian countries. And she says, what is it that, I, I'm paraphrasing because I don't remember exactly the quote, but the bottom line was, what are you so upset about? This is an opportunity for you to live out your values. If you, if you believe that we have a, a culture that's worth preserving and so on, this is the opportunity to live it out. And um, God has brought the world to Bristol's doorstep. Um, just strolling down white ladies yesterday afternoon, um, we, could, we could see that. And you don't know the impact of your life. Um, God is able to use even a very, very silent or even a dim witness for him. Don't despair. It's not who, it is not about who you are. It's about who God is in you. Amen. Amen. Um, I wonder if we might end by just, um, I wonder if I can invite you guys to pray for us. Should we perhaps all stand um, in here? And would you just be able to, yeah, pray for us as, as his missionaries, as his, as his witnesses? Okay. <clears throat> Father, we rejoice to be together as your family, your people, and we rejoice to be able to say, you are our king, we are part of your kingdom. And I, I do pray for my brothers and sisters here with a very thankful heart, thanking you for the many uh, memories and shared uh, experiences from the past and Look to you to keep leading this church forward. And thank you for bringing Will and Katie to be here. We pray you would prosper the work of their hands as well as their team. And we ask, Lord, that you would use this small light to shine very brightly here and beyond. In Christ's name, amen. 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 Glynis, thank you so, so much. And Elizabeth, um, it's been such a privilege having you with us today. They're staying around for lunch, so do chat to them, quiz them, and we're going to continue. We're not just going to simply repeat it. We're going to continue the conversation at, um, at 4 o'clock later, so if you want to kind of hear more, come back then in the chapel um, across the road. But should we give them a round of applause? We're coming uh, to the end of our time together, but we're going to uh, close out by just praising uh, Jesus in, in song as um, Chloe and Alan lead us. I'm just going to move my, I don't know what you call a sofa, I suppose, um, out of the way. 
I'll just pray quickly. Jesus, thank you so much for our time together this morning. And um, thank you so much for Glynis and Elizabeth and all that we can learn from them. And I just pray now that you just focus our eyes on you afresh as we draw our time together uh, to a close in this place. Amen. to the end.